0: Hi friends and welcome to the Experience Our Industry podcast. I am Dr. Brian Greenwood and I am super excited to be here today with Michaela Arvin. How are you, Michaela? I'm doing good. How are you? Oh, I'm doing fabulous, Michaela. It's so great to see your smiling face. Um we we were just talking about that uh Michaela, it's been it's been 4 years. Michaela is a 2019 graduate of our program and she is currently serving as a senior marketing operations and technology specialist for global events marketing at a company called Splunk. And we're gonna get to know all about what Splunk does. Um I, I love their, I I told Michaela a minute ago, I love their their motto, turn data into doing, right? So yep. uh, yeah, she's she's gone from learn by doing at Cal Poly to turning data into doing at Splunk. Um so there's some uh there's some symbiosis there We're excited about hearing all about that. But let's go back in time a bit first, Michaela. Tell us where you grew up. I grew up
1: in Redwood City, California.
0: Say that again. Where? In Redwood City, California. I, uh, I thought you said Redwood City. Oh, wow. yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, so the majestic trees, huh? Yeah, but we
1: don't have very many of them here, surprisingly.
0: (laughs) That's going to say, I was going to say, is that one of those um, uh, misnomers as a name in uh, Redwood City doesn't have many Redwoods? (laughs) Oh, it
1: absolutely is. We have some out front of our city hall and that's about it.
0: That's the only ones, right? Uh, That's hilarious. Um, So tell me, um, tell me what it was like uh, growing up there in Redwood City. What did your what did your parents do? Did you have any siblings like that sort of thing?
1: Yeah, it was great. You know, there was the hustle and bustle of growing up in a big, busy, populated city. Um, But, you know, you find your ways around the craziness and learn to navigate with it, but also hide from it at the same time. But my two parents, uh, my mom, when I was growing up, was primarily a stay-at-home mom, which was wonderful. She was there to help us with whatever and whenever we needed anything. And my dad was in the electrical industry. He was a superintendent at the time, as well as teaching in their um, training union. So he was a very busy man, but was always there to help us with sports. Or um, I was also involved in livestock, which I'll touch on later, but that as well to be around. And then I have two older sisters that are 10 years and seven years older than me, but they Mm -hmm. are both um, were very involved in my life, and I grew up with them, um, always being around. So it was wonderful. I couldn't complain.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. And and you know, um, uh, uh, Michaela, I, I thought you were from the Bay Area, and I should have. I, I should know that Redwood City is. Um, basically bay area san francisco uh, yep. right, right, <laughs> in the heart, right like right next to stanford palo alto and that sort of thing yeah so so for those out there um on uh in in podcast world who are going greenwood what are you talking about you don't know where redwood city is yes <laughs> Yes, I do now. I do.
1: (laughs) Best way to remember is it's uh, right in the middle of San Jose and San Francisco.
0: Yeah, I see. I see now. I got the map up and everything. I even (laughs) even see those redwoods right in front of Town Hall there. (laughs) Yeah, there they are. There they are. I love it. I love it. Um, so what about, um, what, what about young Michaela? You, you alluded to it a little bit with the livestock. What were you into? What was your jam?
1: Yeah, I, I, you know, I did a lot of sports growing up. I was, uh, you know, tried it all. Wasn't all for me. Uh, very, uh, foot eye coordinated person, very uncoordinated hand eye coordination person. So uh-huh. I did soccer. That was my, Main one that I did growing up, but uh, my true passion and love and made me what I am today was I did a program called 4-H. Yeah. Uh, so I raised a lot of livestock from um, the ages of 5 to 18. So pretty much any livestock you could think of, I raised it, but my favorite one were the pigs and then the steers, which is um, cattle. Yeah. Yeah. And so I raised out a lot on top of going to school and doing uh-huh. sports. So I led a very busy lifestyle, very structured, but I think yeah. it really helped me to, you know, kind of stay focused and learn a lot of time management while growing up in those vital years of youth.
0: Right. Well that that had to be um that had to be quite something, you know, in the middle of a, a major metropolitan area like um, mm-hmm like the greater San Francisco area, right? To be able to be involved with a program like 4-H. Um, um, wow, that's really, really meaningful and, and really exciting. You know, my daughter is, um, she is involved in, in FFA and um, okay. at, at San Luis Obispo High School, and it, and it's really kind of wild for me, because you know I grew up in in rural North Carolina on a tobacco farm, right? Wow! And, and I would have never dreamed in a million years to join FFA. That like just wasn't my jam. You know, I I grew up on a farm, but I wasn't like really identifying with the farming elements as much, right? And then, you know, my daughter goes to San Luis Obispo High School, like far, far away from an experience on a farm. And FFA is really um, a great leadership, um, uh, a a great place to learn leadership. And I know that 4-H is kind of the same way, right? Isn't there like a developmental aspect? Yeah, yeah, it
1: absolutely is. So 4-H is uh, kind of almost like a, like a sister group to FFA. Uh, Mm -hmm. So they both are very similar. Um, FFA is like a more of a high school program. They have it through different courses of classes and things through their school, uh, where 4-H is more of just an outside of school program. Um, So you can do 4-H from five years old to 18 uh, which is what I did growing up. And right. yeah, it, it teaches you a lot of responsibility, a lot of leadership, um, yeah. interacting with a lot of different people from different backgrounds, different ages, everything like that, and kind of puts you into a more real world aspect of yeah. understanding a lot of how things work out there and where a lot of different things come from and just yeah. being comfortable put being thrown into different environments that you're not used to. So it's it's a great program, and I absolutely loved it to death. It was sad when I couldn't be a part of it anymore, but uh, you know, still am now. I'm just on the adult side of it, being more a leader. Say,
0: do you do you volunteer now?
1: Yes, I, I do. I have. I did in college, um, but living in San Luis Obispo, trying to do it in Redwood City was a little difficult. But when I moved back to the Bay Area after college, I became a full time leader, and I've helped several kids with the process of learning how to um raise and grow their livestock animals and prepare them for the show that's coming up in a few weeks here in June for the San Mateo County Fair
0: yeah, I love it that is so fabulous that you're giving back Michaela I love that that is just that makes uh that that makes my heart sing so uh, I I love that so let's talk about um that that transition. Uh, from uh, from Redwood City to uh, to Cal Poly. You know, everyone has their own story about how they, um, y- you know, matriculated to, to college. Um, tell us your story. Yeah, so
1: I found out about Cal Poly because uh, one of my older sisters went there, my middle sister, Alyssa. Right. And I did a lot of college tours. I was younger. Like I said, I was much younger than her when she was doing that. So I went to Cal Poly, Uh, with her on her college tour, and I fell in love with it. So my entire goal from middle school through high school was, this is where I want to go. This is where I want to spend uh, my time at university. And so I worked really hard. I applied early decision to Cal Poly, especially um, what was in the Recreation Parks and Tourism Administration Department, uh, and got in early decision, which was my dream come true. So I was... Very happy to go to Cal Poly Um, and to go to a smaller town. Like I said, living in Redwood City, there's a lot of hustle and bustle going around. Um, A lot of people moving at a very fast pace. Mm -hmm. And so I loved San Luis Obispo for that aspect. Just uh, a little slower pace of life gets you in touch with, you know, you have more of what matters um, and what's right in front of you. And you get to appreciate a lot more of just different things that are going on.
0: Yeah, 100%. You know, you made me think about like the very first time um uh, actually it wasn't my first trip to San Francisco, but it was the first time I like rode with a native San Franciscan in a car. Right? <laughs> and it was my it was it was Dr. Dr. Rue's um a uh, cousin, and he was driving us um and I was like we got out and I looked at Jerusha and I was like, what in the name (laughs) of all that's holy? Like, why was he driving like that? And she's like, what do you mean? And I was like, that was like the most insane, like 10 minutes I've ever spent in a a car. (laughs) And she was like, oh yeah, he kind of drives fast, doesn't he? And I was like, drives fast i'm like oh my god you know it's like up and down the hills in san francisco you know and it was like yes <laughs> it was like he was it was like he was in a race and and i was like and i i was all i could do to keep from screaming you know what he
1: <laughs> oh absolutely yeah and it's driving's a little crazy around here everybody's in a hurry to go nowhere is what uh, my dad always said growing up <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's just a different way of life. And I'm glad you I'm glad you highlighted, highlighted that and there's something Um, there's something pretty refreshing about that. You know, I was thinking I was actually thinking about that this morning, Michaela I was I was driving on the way here. And at one point, I kind of got lost in thought. And I mean, I was like going super slow. And if I had been in San Francisco, or LA, I would have like gotten the loudest honk ever (laughs) and I just looked up and this dude behind me was just like strolling along with me he was like he hadn't honked or anything you know I'm like and I thought to myself I was like that's slow that's what I love about slow right there (laughs) I do
1: miss that I always said when I was at Cal Poly I never want to leave slow but
0: yeah all good
1: things have to come to an end sometimes (laughs) That's
0: right well let's reminisce a little bit about your time at Cal Poly you know I like asking I like asking uh, alumni this question you know about like what what, what's what's like an enduring memory like share an enduring story with us um, that you know you'll never forget and then and then we'll, we'll it can have a professional development angle to it if you want to share a story like that, but we'll move on to professional development after that.
1: Yeah, no, I I was thinking about that and it, it's hard. It's hard to pinpoint it because there has just been so many memories and so many great times uh, at Cal Poly and San Luis Obispo and all of that, but um Honestly, I think it was when I first started, Uh, you move in there, you're a terrified young freshman. You're not really sure what's going on. You haven't lived away from home before and you're by yourself and it's kind of a fight or flight going on situation that's happening there. And Mm -hmm. I remember I had made a friend during what was called at that time, SOAR. I'm not sure what it's called anymore, Um, but the summer orientation. Yep. And um, her name was Megan and we ended up being in the same major. So she was also in RPTA. PTA, but um, her and I just clicked right away. Uh, we became inseparable the entire four years that we were there. And that's like one of my core memories from right in the beginning is because I found that friendship and found that connection with somebody that I got along with really well. And we just went and enjoyed a lot of different things whether that's in our major or outside and expanded um you know our friend group a lot and just all the memories of and laughs of things you know like there's a lot of projects happening a lot of stressful times but if you find that friend group that kind of lightens the situation and makes makes a good time out of it all that all that hard stuff turns into just fun memories
0: Exactly. And and it's so important to have someone to lean on. So shout out to Megan there. And uh and uh so thanks for sharing that. So you know, obviously I know how involved you were here while you were while you were in school and in so many different things. So I know it's hard to just uh, to just pinpoint one thing, but if you if you look back and you think about like what you're doing now, what you've done in your early career is there something that stands out in terms of professional development where you look back and you go, oh, wow, that really helped um, to form who I am today?
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of it. When I was at Cal Poly, a lot of the extra classes that were um, th- like thrown out there, the the two-unit classes, whether it didn't matter if I thought they applied to me or not, I always signed up for them Um, I always signed up to go to any of the professional development trips to conferences and such and uh, did not get to go to all of them, but as many as I could, I tried to go to. And I think those were really a a building platform because not only did it teach me to try things that were outside of my comfort zone um, and experiment with different classes or such that I was not prone to doing. um, For one, that sticks out in my memory is terrified of heights. And I did the ropes course class Uh, um dr g G, and i was terrified the entire time but it was a huge learning experience to step outside your comfort zone and try those new things but especially those conferences that i went to because that kind of aligns to the line of field that i joined post-grad and i think seeing those as an undergrad seeing how they're built even how the rooms are laid out the lunch areas are laid out the timing of everything that is happening at those it was good to see that firsthand before i was thrown into having to plan that myself Mm. um which was pretty unique because a lot of people did not get that opportunity and were trying to visualize those four plans in their head trying to visualize the schedule in their head um so that's something that i just had a huge advantage of coming out of college being able to see that firsthand multiple times
0: yeah you know um I really love that, Michaela, because I, I it's almost like you just had a, a you just helped me like with a light bulb in my head. You know, we we've um, we we've obviously been really committed um, to personal uh, or to professional development. Um Personal development too, but professional development through conferences and attendance at workshops and meetings and all these types of things. You know, we really try to promote it from day one. And right now, I'm I'm teaching RPTA 101. You know, the intro class. Did you have yeah. me? For, did you have me for intro?
1: I believe I did. Yeah, I Gosh, did that was a long time ago. But I, yeah, believe I was I going to say, yeah. <laughs> do you
0: remember back that far? Yeah, I think we did. I remember that. Um, I thought I remembered you being in that class, but um you know, you saying what you just said, like, I mean, um, I think that professional development and and plugging students into professional associations, I think that's important for any, um, academic discipline, um, but you just really made this like incredible other connection of how uh, vastly important it is for uh, a major that includes special events, right? And where you yeah. might end up actually being the ones planning those. And so, um, wow! Thanks so much for uh, for that light bulb in my head. I appreciate that. That's so great. So let's talk about that pathway um, beyond Cal Poly. Uh, and starting to move towards what you're doing now. Uh, talk about, talk about your internship, um, how that, how you, how you got your internship, what you did, all of that, all of that jazz.
1: Yeah. So I did my internship, my spring quarter of 2019. And so I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do yet, what path I wanted to go. Um, and so I, did it with the San Mateo County Fair. I was the fair manager assistant, and which was actually my first job. I started that in high school. I did that a lot when I was younger, kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do, uh, what sector of events I wanted to go into. And it was kind of great for it to go full circle and then have a little bit more responsibility, more involvement as the fair manager's assistant for my internship. Uh, and it was it was wonderful. I learned a lot. I helped uh, the fair manager plan the San Mateo County Fair that then happened in June and did a lot of a lot of the stuff that I learned in some of the programs and classes that I was in at Cal Poly I, uh, had to do uh, some of the concert staging, some of the sourcing for that, the scheduling for that, the uh, floor plan for those stages. I created, um, back then we had an app for the fair. I created that from scratch and getting all the scheduling into that and helped a lot with the floor plan of just different vendors as well as the livestock department and mm-hmm. several different things. The list went on and on and on. Um, the fair manager at that time just gave me full full reign to do full whatever reign. I wanted to do. And it was it was wonderful.
0: Yeah, I bet you had to be careful, though, not to spend too much time with the piglets.
1: Oh, no, there's
0: never too much time to be spent with the piglets. I love it. I love it. (laughs) I just, I just love, you know, I dropped my daughter off uh, over at the uh, ag unit and there's like kids walking, uh, walking pigs with their little sticks. And it just makes me smile so much, you know? (laughs)
1: Yep. That
0: was that was me growing up. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, I love it. I yeah. Love it. Well, wow, what a great full circle! Like you know, um, you know, I'm from the Seinfeld generation where you know everything's full circle. You know, in in a yeah of it. And so me, me and my friends, we always talk about full circle. Here we go, and wow, what, was. what has been a full circle moment for you to to get back? And you know, it it's funny, uh, Michaela, because I I look back, I look at your resume and. You know, you've got all oh, I mean, just so many of those like um, seminal type things that that are that our students do, you know, field to table and rofi and ASI and CLIP. Yep. Cliffs Hotel, right, and um, and then you'd throw San Mateo Event Center in there. I love that. Um, and that was um, that was a stepping stone to another um, uh, seminal partner of ours, uh, George P. Johnson. So, tell yes. us, um, tell us about that uh, that first real job, if you will, um, out, yes. out of school.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's funny you touch on the field table and the Cliffs Hotel, uh, because when I was in college, I always knew I wanted to do events. And I just wasn't sure what niche of events I wanted to do. So Mm -hmm. like I mentioned earlier, I tried it all. I tried Mm -hmm. the catering, the housing and lodging portion of it, uh, and then the uh, special events like the fair. But Once I graduated, I knew I wanted to go into tech, um, and so I wanted to try it from the agency side before I went to the larger in-house operations, and it was a a once-in-a-lifetime experience. I was on the content team working on Dreamforce, so right out of college, I was working on a 170,000-person event. Trying to figure out how to be an adult, trying to figure out how to live on my own. And so there was just a lot of different factors and a big growing up point happening there for me. But yeah. the um, it was great to be among so many of my peers still in the internship program. That was something that was truly just so valuable to have people that were experiencing the same thing as me working at George P. Johnson um, and supporting each other outside of college, um, continuing into that internship. And it was great. It was truly something that I feel like formed those early stages of my career, really molded to me, set in stone, what I wanted to do with my career path and where I wanted to go from there. And it may not have been the agency side, but I still think that's a valuable lesson to be learned Um, and something you won't know unless you try it. And so, yeah, I worked on Dreamforce. I had an amazing team there on the content team at George P. Johnson and truly learned more than I could put into words with them, it was, it was amazing.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. I love it. And you know, um, since I've been doing this podcast, it's just amazing how many people when I look and I'm like, oh wow, they were at George P. Johnson too. Oh wow, yeah, George P. Johnson too. It's just an amazing legacy. And um, I I think you um, are, are uh, you were probably you probably heard us talking about the experience. Innovation Lab in 2019 was the I, I believe was the year that George P Johnson gave the donation um, or pledged the donation to our Experience Innovation Lab. Yes, but you know it took a lot, a lot much longer to build that building than we anticipated, and so we actually just opened the lab this Fast Friday.
1: Oh, that's wonderful! Yeah,
0: yeah you're going to have to come back and and, and see. This lab and this new building, Michaela, it's just extraordinary. It's really, really pretty amazing. We're, oh, that's great. Yeah, we're pretty We're pretty excited about it. And um and so um let us move in. You know, um, you had this little thing um after you um or pretty soon after you left um George P. Johnson, um, called a global pandemic that hit. And so yep. You had not been with Zendesk for very long when the pandemic hit. So can you tell us us what it was like? You know, I know it was hard for for so many people in the events, you know, in the event space um, during that time. But tell us, first of all, what Zendesk does and and what you were doing there and what it was like during the pandemic.
1: Yeah, so I was on, um, I was the sponsor, I was. Excuse me. I was doing sponsor management on the uh, events team at Zendesk and I uh, fell in love with sponsors when I was actually working at George P. Johnson and I saw the value of them and the impact they had on events and I was like, there's my niche. That's what I want to do in events. Uh, So I found this wonderful job at Zendesk and I had been in it for three months and yeah, the global pandemic hit. And I remember it so vividly because I was working in San Francisco. The trains one day were just completely empty. Everyone was wearing masks. There was just panic. And so naturally being a young events industry professional, I myself became panicked because you have that fear of, I don't want to lose my job. What's going to happen to my job? What is my job going to turn into? Uh, I'm very low on the totem pole here as an entry level person on my team. And... I think this is where, you know, another key life lesson came in for me of having the, it's so important and so valuable to have a team that recognizes your skills and is willing to pivot any necessary piece to make sure that you are utilizing those skills and still valued even when the entire world flops over. But uh, flashback a little bit before that. So, we were supposed to have our large user conference that was set to be three days long in Miami, Florida, the first week of March. Uh, it was the third through the fifth. Florida declared a state of emergency on February 28th. Yep. And we had to cancel our entire event three days before it was set to start. Yep. So, things were already being set up. People were already there. Uh, a lot of our sponsors had already shipped a lot of things there. And so, it was, um, to say it lightly, just chaos. But as events professionals, you learn to thrive in chaos. So we did what we had to do, we made right. it work. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it was once that all settled down, and once we kind of realized that COVID was not going to be a month long um, pandemic, it was going to be several months, turn several years. I actually pivoted over to the global webinars team and was hosting a lot of uh, webinars slash virtual events for that team. And that was completely different. I never expected I would be doing anything like that. I learned how to make a uh, webinar in iMovie, which I did not consider myself the most uh, technical person in that sense.
0: Right. I was going to say reinvented yourself, right? Through the pivot. Reinvented
1: Ah. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was it was a huge time where it was not only scary to be an events, um, professional at that point in time, but it was also, uh, you had to pivot or you didn't know what was going to happen and everything went virtual. So it was turned into at that point, making your virtual events stick out in the world where everybody is doing virtual events. (laughs) But, um, you know, you, you make it work in between attending different virtual events, knowing what you know about what makes events tick, what makes people tick, why do people go to different things uh, and just experimenting and having some of them be flops and some of them just be absolutely spectacular. You had to be able to take those risks during that time. And so I was lucky enough. I did not lose my job. Um, My manager at Zendesk sent me to a different department. So that way I could, keep working and keep, um, advancing in the events industry, which was huge. And at the time, I don't think I really understood the magnitude of what she had done for me, but she kept me in a job and kept me working. And that is the true epitome of having a great support system in the place that you work and being recognized for, you know, your skills and your valuability to the team.
0: Right. Right on. And, um, Shout out there. That's, uh, that is absolutely, uh, pretty amazing. And, um, yeah, I knew when I, when I saw that, you know, you, that you're, you, you changed positions in June, 2020 to, to global webinar, I had a feeling that there was, there was a story there. And, um, you know, I think it's so one of the things that has been, you know, when I was, when I was inviting people for the, to the podcast at that time, it was really, it was just, it was so scary, you know, because I, I like, I didn't want to, I, I didn't know, right. What was happening yeah. in, in, e- in each and every person's situation. And so, but, but since then, one of the things that's been so awesome is hearing stories like yours, right. Of people who, um, who reinvented themselves or pivoted to do this or pivoted to do that. And, um, and you know, the, 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 um, Resilience—the resiliency of of people in our industry and yeah. uh, of making it through and and keeping their spirits up and um and um you know thriving in in difficult times—what um, has been just really amazing to hear all of those different examples. Um, so you know, you took uh, so we're finally at Splunk, right? Yes, so, we uh, are to your 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 um your current position and you've been with Splunk for almost two years now. Um so tell us first of all what what does Splunk do? What's the what's the the um, 30 second elevator pitch of what Splunk does.
1: Um Splunk is a security software program and so there's a lot of different like capabilities and things for companies a lot of large tech companies even use us for just an extra layer of security um, in their data and just making sure that everybody's data is safe and secure and that no extra, um, nothing is coming in and stealing that data because we work with a lot of valuable information for people coming in. That's a lot of uh, privacy that could be, uh, you know, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? I'm having a brain blank here.
0: <laughs> okay, that's okay. Um,
1: you know, stolen or, yeah, uh, right. you know, anything like that. So right. it's just a nice layer there to keep everyone's data safe and secure.
0: Right. And, and now, um, uh, something you're more comfortable with, I'm sorry to get, make you give an elevator pitch for. Squat. No, you're fine. <laughs> but, uh, but, but so let, uh, um, paint for us a picture. And I think this is important, Michaela, because, you know, students, um, uh, one of the unintended consequences or one in, uh, unintended benefits, right, of our shift to experience industry management is essentially opening up every company in the world to being a part of our industry because almost every company in the world. Has some form of events associated with yes. it. They're they're co-creating experiences in some way, shape, or form. But I think for some people, when they hear like, um, you know, like for example, like we were talking about with Z- Zendesk, your previous position, or any tech company or any organization that doesn't fit into the typical experience industry umbrella of tourism, hospitality, those the you yeah. know. The, and those sorts of things, they don't really make the connection. So explain to us what you do on a daily basis and how it does relate um, absolutely perfectly to what we do.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, you hit it right on the head there, that a lot of people hear tech and they're like, oh, that's not events, that's business. Why didn't you go to the school of business? Um, And you know, there is a lot of business into it and marketing, even that umbrella can fall under a lot of business. But A lot of these tech companies and a lot of these programs need events uh, as their main and big marketing uh, tactic that they use to promote their products. And so we have these large user conferences, sometimes several of them a year, and almost every tech company has it. So that's something that I think gets often overlooked is events are a huge part of the tech world and a huge part of networking within the tech world. Um, so for me specifically, I sit actually on our marketing operations team here at Splunk, but my I work every single day, 24 seven with our events team here at Splunk. So it's kind of tying in marketing as well as the events team. And I do our integrations of our event technology platforms. So pretty much what that is, is we, uh, our registration platform is run by our events team. I take that, I connect it to our marketing and automation platform, which is putting it, uh, more simply where the data flows through. Mm-hmm. And then we push that over into Salesforce, which is where, um, the live under certain campaigns. So we know this person went to this session, this person attended this session and we know how long they did it for. So if someone went into a session for 10 minutes and left and the session had 40 minutes remaining, then we kind of look into what does that person do? What is their job title? Where do they work? Why did they leave? Um, And so it goes into a lot more detail of being able to study people and understand why do they do what they do at these events and what kind of companies they come from to help us adapt our events in the future Mm -hmm. to get the right people there that we can market our product to or sell our product to or to create partnerships with, um, which is where the sponsorships will come in is uh, a lot of our sponsors will come in and tell their story of how they're connected to Splunk or why they are so um, connected to them as well as their stories of how their two products work together. And so there's, there's a lot going on. And so I do the integration as well as um, some of the data analysis for our events. And then I work with some of my team members to look at all of the data that I talked about, the time they spent in, what sessions they attended. And we do something called MQL, which is we are seeing which of those people we should send to our sales team and pretty much say, go market our product to them. They're very hot leads, they're very engaged in this program. Now's your time to see if you can sell our product.
0: I love it. Um, yeah. and
1: so not exactly, you know, the planning and stuff of events, but I actually fell in love with data side of events when I was working on the webinars at Zendesk. And uh, like we always say here on the marketing ops team is the events, uh, once you have them and actually being at them is the skin, the hair, the eyes, uh, the brain of the marketing, but all of that would just fall to the floor if you don't have the bones and the bones is the data. And so that's where everything makes sense that's where everything uh, becomes relevant and purposeful is the data. And so I went into that side of it and it's a lot more technical than anything I ever thought I would be doing. I always thought I was more of a creative person, but it's it's fantastic. And uh, it seems like it would be the same on a day-to-day basis but every day's a curveball every day something happens and it's learning to kind of roll with those punches and continuing to just study people that are ever changing and why they do what they do at events which is something that's very fascinating to me.
0: You know, I I just love it and um I I know you had a connection with Dr. Kevin Lynn when you were here and yes. um and I want to um I want to encourage you um, to reach out because, you know, we've, we've started, I don't know whether we had it when you were here, but we had a, um, experience industry. We have an experience industry analytics, it, analytics class. Did you get a chance oh, to
1: take that? I don't think so. I think I would remember that. And I don't yeah, know I, think if you I took that. Too.
0: Yeah. I think you would have too. So I know he would love to talk to you and maybe bring you in as a guest lecturer and a uh, guest lecturer. And, um, And yeah, you know, he's going to be the director of our experience innovation lab. And so um, we we should definitely talk about the potential for things along those lines, too, because, you know, what you just said um, is, you know, that's like the holy grail in terms of uh, in terms of making those connections, because people are trying to figure out obviously, you know that this, but um but before our listeners, that whole piece of trying to figure out how data fits into actual human behavior and, and to actually enhancing experiences for people, right um that ties into all those amazing things that you were doing earlier in your career, right With- yeah with the fair and with um you know like the layouts that you were talking about like when you when you went to the conferences and you look at it and you go okay um because even something like that like if a if a room is off and it's kind of hard to find Right, and no one shows up for that meeting, right? yeah, that could, be, that could be problematic, right? like things like that that you um that you that you think about and you go through and i I just love that you said, um the 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 pivot the reinvention under global webinar at Zendesk unlocked this love that you now have, yeah for data and for analytics. And, um, you know, that's, that's obviously a huge thing that will help you in your career because data is not going away. And so if you, uh, if you have that knowledge, that, that skill, um, and, and that knowledge base, that's huge. Yeah,
1: no, so, absolutely.
0: So when you think about, um, when you think about Michaela, the, the opportunities and challenges of the future, um, uh, is there something that that really stands out for you you know you're obviously you, you obviously just talked to us about some really high level stuff there in, in your in your current role and and you've just been promoted and um and congratulations on Thank that you. And, uh, being promoted to senior um and, and, and being promoted to, to senior you know it's hard for me to imagine someone having a, a title of senior in their title just four years out of college so that's really, really impressive. But I imagine that has something to do with this. You're, you're, you're stepping up with the analytics. You're being more strategic. Um, but but is, is there something um, along the lines of opportunities and challenges when you think about events and you think about the future? Obviously, AI is, is something that um, everyone's talking about right now. But um, yeah yeah so so what what do you see as a as a challenge or an opportunity for the future in the uh tech event space
1: um i think there's i think there's a lot i covid was something that completely altered the event industry and as unfortunate of an instance as that was and as terrible as it was, I think it almost gave it the eye opening that it needed because we were doing all of our Global events as just live. There was no virtual aspect to them. You either had to be there to get the engagement or you missed out on the opportunity. And so, something that's huge is we now have this virtual aspect to every single event that happens. A lot of tech companies out there are doing it. You can be there in person to get the networking capability, but there's also a lot of the content now offered virtually. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the That has been the main struggle that the past few years have presented is kind of trying to factor that in and keep it engaging. But Mm -hmm. I think moving forward, it's only going to get more difficult as more people advance on how they're offering this virtual aspect, what portion of the virtual aspect they're going to offer, because a lot of people don't want to do just the seminars, because they want people to come to the seminar. So they're making the virtual aspect a different portion of the content. So how do you get both of those? And I think continuing to advance that yet keeping it interactive is going to be a huge struggle, because a lot of people are burnt out on just sitting on a screen and listening and having somebody talk at them, there has to be that level of engagement through a computer screen somehow. Right. Um, and so I think that's just going to continue to evolve and the events industry is going to have to evolve with it because we can't leave virtual behind anymore in a world where we now know what it's like and the yep. capabilities that it has. Yep. Um, but I think the strength is people realize the values of events in the tech world. Um. not saying that they didn't before, but I think it was something that could have easily been overlooked in the tech world. And now that those were gone and the impact of them were gone for a while, a lot of those companies are putting high value and high priority on getting those tech um, events and conferences back up and running because they realize not only is it a great way to get new releases, new promotions, new sponsorships out to the entire world, it's a great way for you to network with people in person and get those experiences that you're just not going to get on a virtual screen.
0: I love it. I think you just encapsulated so much right there, M- Michaela. I think it's I, I, c- I cannot agree anymore with you. I mean, like when I look at it, one of the things that worried me so much is that um, uh, something that stems from from our past, right? Our, our roots in um, our, our department, right? In community recreation and municipal recreation, you may remember me talking about this in, in one hundred and one. I talked about how we've long been, um, you know, recreation in communities has long been seen as a non-essential service, and I, yeah. that, you know, and I said that one of the struggles that we've always had is convincing people, no, we are an essential service, and without us, <laughs> your your quality of life, your community will crumble. Right. And um, and so that's one of the things that we've you know, when when we were strictly recreation, that was always a fight. Right. That was always a struggle. And so one of the in having that in the back of my mind, when the global pandemic hit, I worried that companies were going to think the same thing about events. and yeah. so, You know what I mean? Like a non that's a non essential service. We don't need that. We got to have it, but we don't need events but you just said and i think you're absolutely right i think that corporate executives have realized um and through the global pandemic has helped them to realize that oh yep, that's an essential service that we cannot do without and um they've been expanding their events teams rather than um you know rather than than downsizing them and so um I I love to hear that. I really, I really appreciate you um, sharing that with us because, you know, you you could hear old Greenwood say it and people would be like, yeah, whatever, Greenwood. But when they hear Michaela say it, that has has some weight as a senior marketing operations and technology specialist. I love it. I love it. So Michaela, the last one I'm going to ask you or question I'm going to ask you is this uh, this one that I, I've really grown fond of, um, but it's it's a little bit of a tough one. But um if you could give your junior year self some advice, uh what would it be?
1: Yeah, that's a tough one. Um I think I think there's two pieces of advice that I would give myself because I think at that point I kind of had a feeling I wanted to go into the tech industry. Yeah. Um and so the first one would be that and it sounds very cliche, but it has a lot to do with why I bounce between several jobs to get to where I am right now is to not be afraid to stand up for what you want to do, because at the end of the day, your job takes up a lot of your day. It takes up a lot of your life. And as much as I firsthand don't want to admit that it does, it is a lot of your life and affects a lot of what goes on in your personal life outside of it. So when you're unhappy or not doing something that you feel like is exactly what you want to be doing, go out there and look for it, go grab it by the horns and find what you want to do, because it's important that you're in a job where you feel valued and your skills are heightened at their most effect. Um, which was something that I was scared to do. Like I was scared, when I was at George P Johnson that I was like, I'm not sure this is exactly for me and that's okay. And then, when I was in the global webinars, I was like, I'm not sure this is exactly for me either, but I like this portion of it. So I guess it's okay. Right. But it wasn't okay because then I went out and found this job where I'm like, this is what I want to be doing. I'm so glad that I kept looking. I kept looking out there to see what I wanted to do. Um, and so I think that's huge and it can be intimidating because you look at your resume and you're like, I wonder if companies are going to be, um, unsure of me because I haven't stayed at a job for very long. But when you get in an interview and you explain why companies are like, Oh, that's great. Is this what you want to do? And then they explain it to you. It's, it matches a lot more with what you want to do. And when you're happy in your job at the end of the day, you work harder at it.
0: That's exactly right. I love um, it. I love but it. I
1: think, sorry, I'll wrap up quick. I think yeah. the last one that I would say too is that you you sh- the tech world it's so hard. Um, there's such a stigma of oh it's so hard to get recognized. There's so many people that work in your operate or your um your operations and there's so much going on at one time. Is to also when you're you know a senior out there looking for your internship or uh, simply looking for a different job and you're interviewing, it's crucial that you're also interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you. Because getting yourself in an environment with a good manager and a good team really makes or breaks your career and is huge to have that level of support. Um, being with great managers, um, maybe some that I didn't get along the best with or didn't align in our morals and goals as much. It's it's important to find those people that are going to support you and push you nice. to get to that next step in your career and give you those opportunities and tools to make those next steps. So yeah. that is that was a huge learning curve for me but um' it's great to be a part of that especially here at Splunk I love my manager to death
0: I love it I love it well that's so awesome and um and I also love uh, Michaela I've got to give you a shout out for that um grabbing it by the horns you know uh that's another full circle since you said you loved uh you loved a uh, steer um uh, yeah right? <laughs> So I caught that full circle and um well full circle I just want to say thank you so much uh Michaela for for joining us today it's so great to see your face and it's so great to to be able to reconnect with you. And uh we're so proud of you here at Cal Poly. And um and and I wanna put in another plug to to be sure we you make that connection with Dr. Lynn because I know he would uh um, know he would love to talk with you about analytics and and um and bring you on as a guest lecturer. But um
1: any hey any excuse to come back to San Luis Obispo? would be there in a say, heartbeat.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say you're so close you can come and visit. So uh I love it. Thank you so much, Michaela. Really appreciate your time today
1: of course it was great thanks for having me
0: uh thanks for being here see ya
1: bye